The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. The impact of one person can affect the world. Brock Johnson continues to prove that, even though he died when he was just 14 years old. Brock's mom, Christy Johnson, joins me to talk about the Brock Strong Foundation, a nonprofit created to continue Brock's legacy of kindness in Ohio and beyond. I imagine that it never gets any easier, but would you mind sharing with us Brock's story? Yeah, yeah, I'll share a story. So Brock was born with a rare autoimmune disease, unlike anyone else in the world. And we knew at five days he was um, had something going on, but we really didn't know what it was. And so a couple of years into it, we figured out it was just something like no one else had. And so on the outside, he looked fine. But on the inside, there were a lot of things going on with his blood counts and um, different autoimmune things that you would never know from looking at him. But we only knew because doctors told us. And so um, he lived a pretty normal life amazing student, straight A's. Um, He'd miss 50 days of school a year and still get straight A's and gifted and all that good stuff. Played about every sport he could and was just good at all of them. Like just everything he tried, the kid was good at. Hmm. And um, just kept plugging along. We never treated him as if he was sick. It was just something that he did. He had a blood transfusion every month his whole life, but it was just something he did. He didn't even mind doing it. And so when he was about 13, he started having some liver problems and we did a couple procedures to try to help that. And we knew that a bone marrow transplant was probably in his future because it was the only hope to reset his immune system for something that no one really knew what it was. Uh, we actually went to the National Institute of Health once a month for about two years where they did every genome sequencing, everything, and just couldn't put a name or a, or a thing on it. It was just no one else like him. And so the bone marrow transplant became an option. And Um, Didn't really want to do it, obviously, (laughs) but there was no other hope. And they were afraid that if we didn't do it right then, that eventually more organs would start to fail and he wouldn't even be a candidate for it. it. And then we would just wonder what would have been. And so he was pretty smart and bright and he wanted to do it. He wanted the chance to be a normal, healthy kid who didn't have to take 30 medicines a day. And so we kind of went forward with it. And he actually did pretty well through the transplant. Um, But then with the transplant, you have risk for infection. So even though you're never out of the hospital, uh, you will have a lot of things in your body that we normally fight off that that you just can't fight off. And unfortunately, he ended up getting a bad infection about eight months into it and and just didn't make it through that. Wow. Christy, I am so, so sorry. My mama heart just aches um, for what you all have had to go through. Um, But the... It's just remarkable to me. I live in Athens, Ohio. You're up in the Columbus, Ohio area. And every time I drive up to Columbus, I see uh, a business that has a sign up that has hashtag Brock Strong. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I hear that you are, um, oh, you're like throwing a soccer tournament or, you know, you've got signs at the Children's Hospital Marathon. you're, You're everywhere. Where did you get the strength? To say, okay, yes, we have grief, but with that grief, we're going to use it for power. Yes. So my husband and I, we have a pretty strong faith and Brock had a really strong faith. And uh, honestly, we never thought this would happen. I 100% thought that he was 
going to be healed at the last minute, and he wasn't. And of course, devastating and shocking. And uh, we we plan a you know memorial service for our child that we never thought we would do. And we did it at the high school stadium in Canal because he was just a big part of everything in Canal. Like if you met him, you wouldn't have forgot him. He just stuck out to you. He had this little old soul that made you feel like you were his very best friend, even in a room of a you know hundred people that felt that way. So we had his memorial service in the high school stadium and the funeral home was saying, what do you think? And I said, well, I don't know. It's Memorial Day and it's graduation, maybe like a few hundred people. Well, there ended up being over 4,000 people there. It was, I, I can't even, I don't have a word to describe it. <laughs> I just stood there in awe of the people coming and coming and they had to block the streets off. And I didn't know half of them. I knew some of them. Um, I was pretty open and shared his story on Facebook because so many people had been supporting him. And it was just a way for me to um, kind of journal and actually help me just as much as it helped anyone else reading. But Mm -hmm. we sat there and we looked at all these people at this memorial service and just knew that that was such a testament to Brock and who he was. And we just thought, what could he have done if he would have lived to be 40 or 50 or 60 years old? And my husband and I, um, we just felt charged to do that. And we didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know what that was going to, how that was going to turn out, but we knew we had to do something. So um, in August, we had a couple friends come and say, hey, let's, let's do a baseball tournament. And Brock was a big travel baseball player. So we said, okay. So we set out for this baseball tournament. And this is just a few months after Brock had passed away. And uh, we thought, well, if we have... 20 teams that would be a success for us but we ended up having 44 teams and um it was it was just amazing so that kind of kicked us off and then we knew we wanted to make it a formal 501c3 we wanted people to have um, tax credit for supporting it we wanted to be above the above the line on everything and just really open to what we were doing and so we set out on that adventure and became a 501c3 and we kind of have three things that we Um, support in our 501c3, and that is Nationwide Children's Hospital. Um, The way we like to do that is through families. Um, Having been there for 14 years of Brock's life and for an entire year of the end of his life, I kind of know on the inside what's missing for the families. And so we try to, we just get with the families and we do different things for them, like gas cards, restaurant cards. It's so expensive to be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And whether, you know, you have a million dollars or $10 to your name, it's hard. So we do things like that or Amazon gift cards for the kids. They can shop from the hospital on their computer and get exactly what they want. So we do that. We support travel baseball. So we give out some baseball scholarships to teams every year. And then we support the community, which is kind of wide enough for us to do a lot of different things. Mm we, so we give out high school scholarships is a big thing. And we have really high standards that are like Brock and you have to, you know, have a really high grade point average and lots of different things. We gave out seven this year, which is pretty cool. We do $1,111 and 11 cents. Cause he was number 11. <laughs> <laughs> so we do everything in 11. It kind of is like a big random acts of kindness foundation. Um, his birthday is October 19th. Oh. And so we, uh, <laughs> we go out that day. And there's about 60 of us. We're like the more the mayor, whoever wants to come. And we do 11 really big acts of kindness. So, for example, last year we went to a daycare and just showed up and paid for like five families daycare for the week. And they don't know who we are or what we're doing. And they're very skeptical when they see us all there and they don't want to talk to me because they think I want something. And I'm always like, you're going to want to give me 15 seconds of your time. (laughs) We we did that. We took over five drive-thrus in Canal Winchester and paid for everyone's food. All of my volunteers worked the drive-thru. And so you would order and you'd get up there and we would say, 
we just paid for your lunch. You've been B-Rocked. And we'd go to the grocery store and pay for groceries for an hour. And that's always an awesome thing. Like whether your grocery order is $10 or $200, we pay for it. And whether you have beer or or (laughs) milk and eggs, it's it's not about that that day. It's just about doing nice things. So we do 11 really big things. We do stuff at the hospital. Um, One time we handed out $50 bills at like a dollar store, just something to make the ordinary person feel important and special in this world where there's just so much bad and someone always wants something from you or there's always so much negative and we just want to bring Brock's light and keep it going. I can feel it. I can feel it through this interview and through the things that you've you've talked about that you do that his light is just shining so brightly carrying on in this world and that's that is special. That's amazing. And now there's a 30-minute movie uh, made yeah. about Brock's life. What is that? How did that come to pass? Oh, very cool. So just someone kind of approached us that we go to church with and works at a production company and said, hey, I'd love to do a movie on, on Brock's life. I've been wanting to do something for you guys and don't know what I can do, but I would love to do this, which we're like, that's awesome because the schools are always asking for things. And um, so we, Terry and I, my husband, we went down to a studio and just answered questions for two hours and 45 minutes. And of course, some of it's hard and Um, But we did it. And at the end of that, he just said, can I have access to your social media? Brock had a YouTube channel. We gave him everything. So he put together this 30-minute movie that is beyond any of our expectations. Mm -hmm. And um, anyone seeing it, like keeping in mind that um, we didn't pick the pictures, we didn't pick the videos, that this guy named Eric (laughs) picked the perfect thing for the perfect time in this movie. And it just, it's awesome if you didn't know Brock. It just gives you a real feel for who he was and how he handled life. And if you did know Brock, it's awesome. Um, it's it's just a way to bring him in and, and let you see him, hear his little voice, because we can explain him all we want. <laughs> but if you didn't know him, it's hard to, uh, without seeing him and hearing him, just get the idea of who he was and why he had such a big impact on everyone. And so we're excited about the movie. And he had a lot of fancy friends. You know, he's friends with Robert Downey Jr. And so he's <laughs> in the movie with a little snippet of him doing something and it's just it's just a really cool thing yeah i i noticed um somewhere online that brock had lunch at robert downey jr's house is that true and like <laughs> yes okay so um, did you guys intentionally plan for him to you know hang out with the cincinnati reds and swim with dolphins and go to <laughs> disney like was this all intentional to create these memories or what what happened there well, I'm a big vacation person to begin with. My husband and I decided we were going to do vacation every year. So we have these memories, big scrapbooker. So we always have. But then, you know, we found out about six months in advance that Brock was going to have a transplant. And I was like, okay, we're going to make this summer amazing. And so they had approached me about Make-A-Wish a while back. But I felt like, you know, Brock just wasn't sick enough. And that's for kids who were dying. And that just wasn't Brock. And we found out he's having a transplant. You know, I still didn't think he was going to. But I thought, okay, let's do this. So he, his uh, make-a-wish was to meet Brandon Phillips. So that's how he got to do that that summer. And um, it was just an awesome time. And that's the Cincinnati the, Reds. He, yes. He played for the Cincinnati Reds, right? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. Played for the Reds. So he got to meet all the Reds. He went to a Jay Bruce, who's a Reds, was a Reds player, um, training camp. And they treated him like a king. And he just, he loved every minute of it. But on the side, um, I have an older son named Tucker. And his friends 
dad, follow this, works with Robert Downey Jr.'s brother-in-law, but he's in <laughs> California. In the Six degrees here. of separation, yeah. sister. Wow. Right. And so uh, Brock had a port in his chest since he was five. And so his nickname was Iron Man, like the arc reactor. Mm. And this high school girl wrote something saying, hey, this is my friend and told a little story about Brock, and which I never have seen, but we really just want an autograph. Well, Robert read it. And just took the Brock story for whatever reason. And so his brother-in-law flew here and brought this cartoon tin. And on the back of it, it said, hey, Brock, call me. And so his brother-in-law is like, that's really his phone number. Don't post that on social media. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay. So he calls Brock the next day. And Brock has a whole list of questions for him, you know, like, and he's just chatting. And Brock would pull him back into like, okay, these are my questions. And so they just formed this awesome friendship and he started FaceTiming Brock, and, which was obviously amazing. Everyone around wanted to see him and, you know, he would just wake up and have like crazy hair and be talking to Brock on FaceTime. <laughs> there he is. And so he really wanted to meet Brock and he had planned to bring him that July to the filming of the Iron Man uh, Captain America movie in Atlanta, but Brock wasn't doing very well and Robert just kind of sensed it and he said, hey, do you think he'd be able to come to the Age of Ultron premiere in April? And I'm like, I don't know. And so <laughs> I go tell these doctors this, and half of them are rooting for it, and half of them think that we're lunatics. Mm -hmm. And Brock just wasn't getting better and um, wasn't getting better. And the day before we left, they actually came to me with some bad news about something else going on with him. And I said, I don't know what to do. And this doctor said, you take him. So mm. Robert flies us to LA <laughs> and we had a lot of bumps on the way as oxygen stopped working. We ended up spending the night at the hospital in, uh, in Hollywood, <laughs> mm. but we go to his house for lunch for three and a half hours. And it's just like your old friends. It was so amazing. And just Robert was just so down to earth and, and gave my kids so much time and we got to go to the premiere. So we met all of them and, um, got to go to the after party and hang out. It was very surreal. And, so the cool thing, so we come back home in April and Brock passes away in May and Robert still has kept in touch with me. We've been back to his house once since um, we met him for lunch in Atlanta one time and just a great guy that isn't out there saying, hey, look what I'm doing for this little family in Ohio. Just did it out of the goodness of his heart. And I believe because that's just the effect Brock had on people. Mm. Wow, that is that is something else. He lived so much of life, didn't he, in 14 oh, years? Wow. We'll get back to our conversation with Christy in a moment. But first, today's Kindness Call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. Hi, this is Angie Slinger calling from Appleton, Wisconsin. And I was asked to call in about a story that's been going around on Facebook regarding myself eating lunch with my son and his third grade friends. And when lunch was almost completed, one of the third grade boys handed me a dollar and told me it was to buy my son his lunch. And I gratefully uh, told him he could have his dollar back, but that was very sweet. And he um, insisted I took the dollar and he handed it to me and he said, Mrs. Slinger, if you use this dollar the right way, you could feed the entire world. And this was coming from a nine-year-old, so I asked him to repeat it. Sure, I heard it the wrong way. And he, again, said, Mrs. Slinger, this dollar is for you, and if you use it the right way, you can feed the entire world. So I had this dollar, and I had to figure out what to do with it. 
So I put a Facebook fundraiser together for the local chapter of Feeding America, knowing maybe we wouldn't feed the world, but we could feed a few people. So we had a goal of about $200, and I posted the fundraiser online this past Monday night. And astonishingly enough, uh, we so far have over $6,500 raised across 12 states, and that is going to feed almost 20,000 people. And the uh, fundraiser keeps getting shared. The news is now doing a story with it, and it is growing by the minute. So it's just a super kind story about a young boy who did a simple, kind act with $1 with the intentions to feed the world, and people are really responding wonderfully. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. So you are giving back with with these actions. How big is your team? Is Does this become an exhausting, overwhelming thing for you? Because I'm assuming that at some point you and your husband have to work, or has yeah. this now become your job? No, unfortunately, we do have to work. So I work at a church um, three days a week. I, I'm like a financial person at the church. I've been there for 20 years, so um, they're wonderful for me to work with, and they're on board with everything we do. But it's big. We have 11 um, board members, and we just do a lot. It's a lot of work. I could easily quit my job and do it full time. And I say all the time, like, I'm not sure how much I can keep this up, but I'm I'm pretty full of energy and pretty driven and very passionate about it. So it's just something that drives me every day. And as long as we can do it, we're going to do it. I don't know how long that is or mm-hmm. um, what it's going to look like in the future, but we're um, we're going strong. It's bigger than I ever thought it would be, mm-hmm. and it's more awesome than I ever thought it would be, <laughs> and I love it, and I, I just think Brock would love it, and that's the hardest part is you do these amazing things, these awesome things all day, and you come home, and you're like, but he's still not here. Like, you know, there's nothing we can do to bring him back, and how much he would love to be in the middle of everything we're doing, because he, he just loved people, and he, he was very others-focused, and everything we do, we always think about Brock, and what Brock would do, and what Brock loved, and we try to center around it, so mm-hmm. it's definitely making the best of a bad situation. It would be easy just to stay in bed and feel sorry for myself and be sad, but that wouldn't honor Brock at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what what do you get out of these interactions? Because I think part of it could be could be sad. Like it would, you know, if you could just go about your day and not think about getting an email that reminds you of Brock or something, it would be easier. So what do you get out of this? Oh, it just, um, it's so contagious and it makes you feel good when you can do something for someone else. And I've tried to become a source for someone who loses a child or someone, someone that I can be, I was very honest on Facebook through this journey. And a lot of people will be like, Oh, it was, you know, God's plan. And they're so positive. And I just try to be honest on days where I thought I'm not getting out of bed today, but I will tomorrow. And I just want to be that for someone to let them know that it's okay that you, you feel this way and you're going to get through it. And um, so I, that makes me feel like I, I have a purpose in life. Um, being a mom is such a huge thing for me. I loved every aspect of it. I loved the parties. I loved volunteering at school. You know, I have a 20 year old in college who doesn't really need me to volunteer <laughs> at school now. And so I felt this like, what am I going to do with myself? What's my purpose now? And I just love being a, a help to people going through stuff like this. Um, I love being able to lift people up. It just makes you feel so good what you can do for other people and keep Brock's name and Brock's face out there. And I just feel like if we didn't do that, 
what a waste of this amazing person that God gave us for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Before I let you go, Christy, do you have a favorite kindness story? It feels like this whole this whole conversation was all about like one act of kindness after another. But is there anything that that um, sticks out to you either with Brock or just just from other areas of your life that deal with kindness that you'd like to share? I would say my favorite thing that we we have done is uh, someone had reached out to me about um, a uh, kind of like a modern day orphanage that is in town. And she was uh, the principal there and said, you know, no one does anything for these kids for Christmas. Would you be able to maybe adopt one of them for Christmas and buy them some gifts and just come to one of our meetings and see what it's about. And so I said, okay. And my husband went because he thought I'd bring a kid home. And <laughs> so <laughs> we sit there, we listen to these kids and just you know, they're like, oh, can we make sure the Christmas lights are hung up so we can see them out our window? And my mind's going a million miles a minute the whole time. And I knew they had 40 students. And so at the end of it, they're, the kids leave and the administrators are like, what do you think? And I'm like, we're going to adopt all of them for Christmas. <laughs> and my husband looks at me and I said, and we're going to bring a big party in. So we're driving home. My husband's like, how do you think you're going to do all this? It's not in the budget. I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I come home and I email about 20 of my friends that I know, you know, $100 wouldn't be a big hardship on them. And I know they have a heart for what we're doing. And I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And within 15 minutes, I had all the kids adopted, plus people waiting for more of them for Christmas, not totally adopted. And um, then we did something for the 40 employees. The Brock Strong Foundation paid for that. And we came in with about 50 volunteers that day. The kids had done a school project. They had no idea what was going on. But they did a math project. Like if you had $100 to spend, what would you spend it on? And they were allowed to go on to a couple websites like Target or something. And they made wish lists. And then they gave the school gave the wish list to me and I passed them on. So we came in and brought gifts for all all the kids, all the employees. We brought in a DJ, a magician. One of my board members is a vice president of White Castle. We brought in White Castle. (laughs) We brought in the whole girls basketball team from Canal and just spent the day with these kids. Just each person who bought them a gift got to go and give them their gift and just say, hey, somebody loves you out there and we want to do something nice for you. And that was the most fulfilling um, thing that we have done. And for me, we've done a lot of great things, but for that, just these kids that no one would have really done anything for. And some of their lists were like hats and gloves and they got them and they would be like, we don't have to share this. They were blown away. And I thought my kids would have been like a hat for Christmas. Like that's your job to buy me a hat. That's not a Christmas <laughs> kid. So just seeing these kids and just letting them know that like somebody loves you and is willing to do this for you. And I just feel like they needed that hope. So that was, that was a pretty, that was a pretty awesome thing. <laughs> and Christy, I feel like there's somebody listening who's going to say, you know what? I have like a group of friends who'd be willing to throw in some money to make something special happen for people. And so in their own communities all over the country, all over the world, they can do this and, and find yes. people in need and make it happen. And Absolutely. Yeah. Christy, thank you so much for sharing Brock with us today. I really appreciate uh, you giving us the time and um, sharing all of these beautiful, beautiful stories with us. Thanks for reaching out. Yep. Keep up the great work. Thank you. That was a conversation with Christy Johnson. Learn more about Brock and his legacy of kindness at brockstrongfoundation.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. 
If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section. 